How many know he reigns? Did y'all enjoy that worship service this morning? It wouldn't have hurt my feelings just to go on a couple more hours of that. That's good stuff. Praise the Lord. I think I'm a little bit drunk in the Holy Ghost this morning, so y'all have to excuse me. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 12. Okay, everybody there? And This is the New Living Translation. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Might want to underline that. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always, everybody say always. You know what that means in the Greek? It means always. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. There's that word again, thankful, with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It's good stuff. Good words to live by, especially in our current social and, and, and political climate. There's a lot of rich content in these, uh, these verses that we just looked at. But I want to take you back to several parts of the verses. I want you to look at, cert, at, at, at certain things, such as in, in, um, in, the, in verse 12, it says, So God chose you to be. God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Sometimes we skip over those little small words, but that word be is huge. You know, God has called us to be, not to do. Doing is part of our being. Doing is just a byproduct of who we are. We do because we love the Lord. We don't do it out of duty. We do it out of love for him and love for the kingdom and love for people. We do it because that's what Jesus would do, but we are being like Christ. We are being the people that God loves, and understand that He chose us. That ought to make you feel special. I mean, I look at me, I wouldn't have chose me, but God did. God did. He had a special place in His heart. And you know what? He didn't choose me when I was at my worst. You know when He chose me? before the foundation of the earth. He chose you before the very foundation of the earth. If you don't believe it, I got a scripture for that. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. The Passion Translation says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundations of the universe. And because of his great love, he ordained us. In other words, he marked us with his love or he predestined us. He set us apart so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. An unstained innocence. That's how God sees you. I don't care 
what your life is like as a child of God. Now, God don't want you to be stupid. God gave you a brain. You know, when we become Christians, we don't check our brain at the door. As a matter of fact, we renew it. We renew it. And we renew it through the Word of God. And as you renew your mind and you begin to capture the knowledge of God or the gnosis of God or the logos, as we call it, you get smarter. I remember reading about a certain Bible teacher. Many of you probably have heard of Bill Gothard who did the youth uh, conflicts seminars years ago. I don't know if he still does. I don't know if he's still alive or not. If he is, he's very, very old. But he used to do these seminars. They were good seminars. We went to them on several occasions, and he had a lot of really, really rich principles of the Word of God. I didn't agree with him on everything. Of course, you probably wouldn't agree with me on everything either, but the fact of the matter is he had a lot of powerful, powerful principles in the Word that he taught at these seminars. But he said something that really stood out to me as he was teaching. When he was a child, he had trouble learning in school. He couldn't, he couldn't get it, and the teachers tried to help him. He just couldn't remember things. He couldn't focus on his, on his reading. He couldn't focus on his math. He couldn't focus on anything. And so he became a believer in a vacation Bible school. And when he became a believer in Vacation Bible School, he prayed to the Lord God and asked God to help him to be able to understand. You know, as a child, I don't know how that prayer went. God helped me learn. I don't know. But he asked God to help him, and God helped him. The Lord directed him to begin to, rem to memorize the Psalms. So he began to memorize the Psalms, and lo and behold, he memorized get this, all of the Psalms, every one of them. He, remember, he memorized the whole book of Psalms. And you know what that did? That caused him to be the valedictorian of his class in high school, the valedictorian in his class in college. It sharpened his mind. It sharpened his understanding as he began to focus upon the Word of God. You know, people of God are smart people, or we should be. If we're not, then there's something wrong because God wants us to be like Him. Now, if we're like Him, do you think God is not brilliant? You understand what I'm saying? Don't worry about that. It's my stomach growling. It's, it's, it wasn't thunder, so we're good. But God is, and he wants, but you are. You're created in his image. You're created in, he puts the capacity in each one of us to get it. So I, I, I don't know what I, why I went off on that, but I just wanted you to get it and understand something. He has marked us with his love. He's predestined us, set us apart so we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. And number two, he's called us to change our clothes. He's called us to change our clothes. What do I mean by that? He says, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are not natural human attributes. They're, in fact, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
In Galatians 5.22 says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he tells us to forgive. My goodness. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you probably ought to forgive others. Is that what it says? It says you must forgive others. We've got to. Jesus was more explicit than that. He said, if we don't forgive those who've offended us, then God won't forgive us. Wow. If we lack mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So we have to forgive those who've hurt us. And number three, we have to love above everything else. That's the principal thing, love. Jesus gave us one commandment, didn't he? And this one commandment has been defined as the royal law. It's the law that, that governs the kingdom, and it's called the law, of, of the law of love. The law of love, the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Why did God choose to save us? Bingo. John 3.16. Pick up your prize at the door. We'll give you a free pen. Sure. Two pins. He saved us because he loved us. And when did he love us? When? While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. He still loved us. Before the foundation of the universe, he loved us. He loves us. And we understand that. And because he loves us, he has given us the ability to love others while they're still sinners, while they're yet offenders, while they're yet whatever. He loves us. God doesn't pick and choose who he loves, does he? He loves us all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loves us. That's why he saves us. And, and, and he loves us above everything else, so we have to love above everything else. In Psalm 133, it says, good for brethren to dwell together in harmony. And what is the basis of harmony? Christian love. If we don't have love, we won't have harmony. If we don't have love, we can never have unity. Because something will happen. Somebody will get mad at somebody. Happens all the time, don't it? We get angry. We get upset. If we truly love, then we will have to learn how to deal with those offenses. How do offenses come? Jesus said it's impossible for them not to come. John, you're going to offend me sometime. One, one time or another, you're going to offend me. And John, well, if, I have, if you have, I've forgiven you. And John, you're going to offend me sometime or another. But you know what? I have a word for those who get offended. Chuck, what is that word? <laughs> Thank you. That's a word from God. Get over it. How do we get over it? Well, love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what forgiveness is. 
is to abolish the record, to absolve it. It no longer exists. So when we forgive, the offense no longer exists. We can't bring it up anymore because it no longer exists. If it's been forgiven, if you keep bringing it up, guess what? You haven't, you haven't absolved it. You haven't dealt with it in yourself. You haven't dealt with it with the other person. Now, the number one reason people get offended is this. Are you ready for this? You might want to write this down. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. What do I mean by that? We expect somebody to do something, and if they don't do what we expect them to do, guess what? We get offended. We get offended. That's, that's what happens. People get offended over some of the strangest things. This whole message is not about offense. I'll preach on that another time. But it's important that we learn how to forgive. Now, we've got to get to the crust of the matter. And in verse 15, and he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule in the Greek is the word brabeu. It means to describe, it describes an umpire who calls all the shots and makes all the decisions. Think about that. So let the peace of God call all the shots and make all the decisions in your heart. Let it rule and reign in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart. If the peace of God is calling the shots, then how do we maintain peace with God? Through obedience. We do what the Word of God says, and that's how we maintain that peace with God. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. People have asked me sometimes, I want you to pray with me about a decision. And I will often counsel them, let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart and your mind concerning this decision. Let God call the shots. That requires you doing several things. Number one, as you are praying over the decision, go to the Word. A good place to go when you're trying to make a decision about anything is to go to the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of wisdom there. As a matter of fact, the wisest man in the world wrote most of the book of Proverbs. And if you will read the book of Proverbs over and over and over every day, if you'll read a, a chapter of the book of Proverbs, it'll make you a lot smarter and wiser. Because Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. He didn't write them all. But some very wise men did write the book of Proverbs. It's a good place to go. Such as you'll find all kinds of good stuff in there about child rearing, You'll find stuff in there about financial decisions. You'll even find stuff in there about marriage. You'll find decisions, you know, all kinds of, of, of life-making decisions in the book of, book of Proverbs. And if you'll just go there, and that's part of letting the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Now, let me go on for a minute. So instead of us being ruled by our emotions and our, uh, or our circumstances, the peace of God should be calling the shots. In verse, six, uh, verse 16 of Colossians chapter 3, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is the King James Version. I just like the way it says it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
So as we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, it's like we roll out the red carpet of our minds and our hearts to the Word and give special honor to it. In other words, we give heed to it. We pay attention to what we're reading. We were talking about this in our men's meeting yesterday about reading the Word of God. I think John brought it up. He said, so many of us read the Word like we're reading a novel. We just kind of skim through it. You know, we want to get to the last chapter because that's where all the action is. That's the finality of it all. But in so doing, we miss a lot of the details in the book. So in order to really, really get the best out of the book, it's best that you maybe read it more than once. I'm not going to ask you in here this morning how many of you believe the Bible because I know 100% of you would say yes, unless you just happen to come in here and you're just, you know, what? I don't know. But I want to I even ask the question, but most everybody believes the Bible, right? But have we ever read it? If we haven't read it all the way through, then how can we truly say that I believe it? It would be like me saying, or someone saying to me, you know, I believe, well, let's just throw out a name, Elvis Presley. He's not here now, but I hear he's still living. But... You know, if I were to, someone, you know, have, do you believe everything Elvis says? And I can say yes, but I've never met him. I couldn't say that, not with surety. But I know God, I have a relationship with him, okay? And I know that God and his word are one and the same. So in order for me to know God more intimately, then I have to become more intimate with God's Word. That requires effort on my part. And so if we neglect the intimacy that we have with God through His Word, we're in fact neglecting God. If we say we want more intimacy with God, then we need to get more intimate with His Word because He loves to whisper to us. He loves to talk to us through His Word. So, I, I, I took this, this out, of, um, out of Rick Renner's book, Gems um, from the Greek, and he says, well, let me, let me just move on for a minute. I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Last week, I, I kind of made mention of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. That means all of creation will be shaken and removed so that the unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a king that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. And I, I believe right now we are in a time of shaking. God is shaking things up. Wouldn't you agree? All over the world we see it. It's not just here in America. There's a worldwide shaking going on. In other words, I think Elvis would say there's a whole lot of shaking going on. I did get that from him. And the things that can be shaken will be shaken. The things that cannot be shaken will remain. So, how is your faith this morning? Is it shakable? 
Is your faith shakable? Is it established on a firm foundation so that it cannot be shaken? What did Jesus say? He that hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock and the storms and the floods came and they beat upon that house and it stood, why? Because it was founded upon the rock. What was the rock? These sayings of mine. He says that he that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them is like a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And when the floods came and the winds came and they beat upon that house, it was no more because it was built upon the sand. That's the way we build our lives if we're not building it upon the foundation of the Word of God. We're like that shakable thing. God does not want us to be shaken. If we allow the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts, we will never be shaken. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is a familiar passage of Scripture. I hear it a lot. I say it a lot. I mean it a lot. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. But verse 8 is the glue that kind of holds this whole passage together. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, what are some of these things that are excellent and worthy of praise? What are some of these things that are honorable? They're all found in the book. I can think of nothing that's more honorable, more solid than the Word of God. And when we think about those things and we talk about those things and we mutter those things over and over to ourselves, we're like that man that says in, in uh, Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man. Everybody say blessed is. I'm blessed with the best, no stress and highly favored. Blessed is the man who does what? Who walks not. In the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he don't listen to what CNN is telling them and make decisions based on his life according to what he's heard there. He bases his decisions on life based upon what is in the Word of God because it is true and unshakable. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And that's, in other words, he don't go around like an old sourpuss that's been eating sour pickles. The seat of the scornful, somebody's a bitter person. You don't hang around bitter people. You become bitter, just like they are. I'm sorry, but if you're a bitter person and they don't hang around you, you know why? Because I don't have time for it, okay? I'll help you if I can, but, and then he says, and, blessed is the man who walks in, but his delight is where? His delight is in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? His word. In the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates both day and night. Now, meditate doesn't mean that we just skim over. Meditate means literally to mutter to yourself over and over. 
mutter to ourselves the Word of God. We take the Word, we mutter it to ourselves, we talk it to ourselves. When we talk the Word of God to ourselves, we're doing a good thing. My, my dad told me about his cousin used to walk the streets of Old Ford. I've told you all about this before. But, but someone, he would talk to himself all the time. His name was Wardell. What a weird, weird name, but it was. And, and somebody asked him one day, he said, Wardell, why are you always talking to yourself? He said, I'm just talking to somebody who's got some sense. So if you're talking to yourself in the Word, you're talking to somebody who's got some sense because you just put some sense in your head. You deposited something good inside of you that's going to bring forth some good fruit. Amen? It's honorable. It's lovely. It's pure. It's admirable. It's worthy of praise. I can't think of anything else that's any more honorable and pure and admirable and worthy of praise than the Word of God. When we put it in our minds, we think that way. And as we think that way, we act that way. And as we act that way, we speak that way. Ah, so that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Not so hard, is it? All right. Okay. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That's why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of power and honor and authority. Yes, Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and do what? Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Folks, don't get so caught up in everything that's going on. I mean, if you're going to listen to this guy or that person or that person, at least spend as much time listening to the Word of God and getting into the Word of God as you do in those things. And maybe make it two to one or five to one or ten to one, or maybe cut it all out except for the Word. Hey, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Be a good time to fast all that stuff. Okay. Now, I believe this message is totally relevant because that's where we are in the prophetic eschatological timetable. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.2, Paul is addressing the church at, at, at Thessalonica, and they had come to believe that Jesus had already come again the second time. And they were fearful because things were happening. There was persecution going on. There were all kinds of things happening. And they thought because Jesus had said in Matthew 24 that this would be the signs of the coming of the Lord, and those things were happening everywhere around them, they thought that the Lord had already come, and they were full of fear and anxiety and everything else. And there are a lot of people today that are full of fear and anxiety about things that are happening. But Jesus never told us to fear. He said, fear not, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. So if, if, if Jesus is with me, I'm not going to be afraid of what's happening. Whatever happens will happen if God allows. If God will it, it'll happen. And if God wills it and it happens then my circumstances around me are not going to dictate what I have on the inside. What I have on the inside determines what happens on the outside, okay? So I'm not going to let it, let it bother me. So here, here's, here's what Paul says. He said that you should be not soon 
shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor, as, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. And Paul war- wrote this to the Thessalonians to, to warn them about events that have occurred just before the second coming of Christ. And he wanted to prepare them so that these events wouldn't catch them off guard and throw them into a state of panic. Notice he said to them, not to be soon shaken. And the Greek for that is the word takos. It means quickly, suddenly, hastily, and shaken. Selewa, it means to shake or to waver or totter, to be moved. So don't be quickly shaken or tottered or, or moved by what's going on around us. It specifically tells them not to be soon shaken in mind or spirit. Paul was telling them to resist being easily shaken up by the events that will occur just before the second coming of Jesus, and it still applies today. So don't be upset or discouraged over what's going on, but understand that God is in control every step of the way. And he said, don't be shaken in mind or nuance. It describes everything that pertains to the realm of the intellect, including our, our will, our emotions, and our ability to think and reason and decide. So whatever controls a person's mind ultimately has the power to dictate the affairs and outcome of that person's life. Therefore, if a person allows his mind to be doused with panic or fear, they're putting fear in charge of their life. How many times did Jesus say it? Fear not. Paul went on to say, thank you. That, he said, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. And that word troubled is the word throeo, and it means an inward fright resulting from some terrible or catastrophic event. The events are, are, could, could be so nerve-wracking that they would cause a person to be devoured with fear or worry or anxiety. Paul's admonishing his readers not to allow ourselves to be shaken, moved, or traumatized by the events that we see or hear of. In other words, he's telling us to get a grip. (laughs) Get a grip on your minds and refuse to allow fear to control your life. Get a grip on the Word of God. This takes us back to Colossians 3, 15 and 16. It says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called into one body and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace to your heart, in your hearts to the Lord. You know, there's certainly going to be troubled times in our life. Jesus promised it, didn't he? John 16, he said, in this life, you will have tribulation. What's tribulation? Y'all know the word thlipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, thlipsis. Kind of a weird word, but it means stress or trouble. Trouble. You will have. Tribulation, trouble, stress. Not a matter of if, just a matter of when. That's a, that's a divine promise. <laughs> but we live in a world that's troubled. So there's going to be trouble all around us. But, listen, this is your sphere right here. If I had a hula hoop this morning and a pair of suspenders, I'd put them on. One of my friends, Chip Judd, he's a, he, he's a teacher, and he teaches on boundaries. And he, and he has a hula hoop with suspenders on it. He puts it on. He said, this is my world right here. This is my world. I allow to come into my world what I allow. But I decide who comes into my world. 
and I insulate my world with the Word of God. Not only do I insulate my world with the Word of God, I arm it on the inside with the Word of God so that nothing can break through the boundaries that I have established in my life. So, you know, you can choose to be upset or worried or concerned or everything else. Concerned is okay, but worry is another. Jesus said, why do you worry in this life? He said, sufficient for the day or the cares thereof. Isn't God going to take care of you? Yes, He is. And, and how do we know that? Because His Word tells us to. And we need to let the Word of God rule in our hearts and minds. And the thing about shaking is this. What did Jesus say that we are to be? You are the what of the earth? The salt of the earth. What does salt need in order to be shaken and scattered? So if we need to be scattered, we need to be shaken a little bit. And sometimes that shaking scatters us. I remember what happened in the book of Acts when the disciples suddenly began to be persecuted and, and, they, and they, were, they left because of the persecution that was happening in, in, in certain places. But everywhere they went, they went as seed. They took the Word of God. So whatever God is doing in us and whatever shaking is going on, just let Him shake our salt all over the place. Be the salt and light that God has called you to be. Be that for somebody else. They need that preservation. They need that, that, that flavor from God to help them to understand who He is and know the realities of Him and understand Him a little bit. So uh, here's some things that we, we need to do when we are shaken. Number one, be alert and prepared because times of testing will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. And number two, be joyful. Everybody say joyful. Now, when you say joyful, it has a different connotation than when you say happy. Happy. Happy is, is determined by our circumstances. You know, I'm happy. You know, if I have what I want and got everything that's going right, I'm happy. But as soon as my circumstances change, my happiness will change. But if you got the joy of the Lord on the inside, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You still got the joy. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, rejoice sometimes. No. Oh, wait a minute. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He reiterated it. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. I'll say that again. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, what does it mean to rejoice? It means get the joy back, y'all. Come on. You know, you got to have some joy. If you got some joy, people will want what you got. If you don't have any joy, they don't want what you got. You know? How do we get the joy? It's not based upon our circumstances. It's based upon having the mind of Christ and letting the Word of God dwell in us richly. It's a deposit God makes inside of us. And then, in other words, it's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Be joyful. Now, if you want to memorize a verse, let me help you with that. Y'all ready? Let's memorize this. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. You got it? Let's try that one more time. Some of you might have, might have missed it. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. That's pretty easy. You just memorized a Bible verse. So you can amaze all your friends. You know, they might say, well, you know John 3, 16? Yeah, but I know 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. And then 5.17, pretty easy too. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Can you all remember those three words? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Or if you want to shorten that, you can use the New Living Translation. It says pray always. I mean, if those three words are too hard. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. How do we do that? I like what it says in the Passion Translation. Make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. That's pretty good words, isn't it? And number four. Stay constantly in the Word. Again, this takes us back to Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. In other words, let Him call the shots. Let Him rule and reign inside of you. Let the Spirit of God, let the Word of God call the shots in your life. If, you, if, you, if you're trying to get direction or something, go to the Word. The answer's there. I promise you, the answer is there. In the Word of God, or any situation, any circumstance that you are encountering, your answer is found in the infallible, authoritative, everlasting Word of God. It's right there. So, what do we take from this today? First of all, get your thinking straight. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things of God. Listen, we've got to get our minds out of the gutter. If we get our minds out of the gutter, it'll, it'll, it'll control our behaviors. It'll control everything. That's why Isaiah says in Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed or stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. We get it there and we, we keep it there. And it's so easy sometimes for the enemy to get us sidetracked and get us looking in another direction. But just remember, go back to the Word. Stay constant in the Word. Let that be the thing that guides you. As the psalmist said, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me the direction I should go. And as long as we stay within, within the stream of the Word of God, we're going in a positive direction. We, we're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. See, the Word of God is our Magna Carta. The Word of God is our Constitution. It's the ruling principles for the, for the people of God. As a matter of fact, the U.S. Constitution was based upon the principles found in the Word of God. We didn't base the Word of God on the principles found in the Constitution, but just the opposite. But the Word of God determines everything in our lives if we let it. Helps us deal with all kinds of stuff. Sickness and disease. 
What does the Word of God say about that? He was wounded for our transgressions. Takes care of our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our bad behaviors and the things that we have done. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. The chastisement of your peace. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had created a crimson stain inside of me, but his blood washed it all away. He paid it all. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Say that with me. By his stripes we are healed. And, Lord, we thank you for that, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that your word dwells richly in us. And, Lord God, it's changing us from the inside out, Lord. Not as the world would try to squeeze us into a mold and make us be something that would conform to the ideology of this world. But, God, the word of God inside of us pushes back and transforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, and puts your flavor inside of us so that when others see us, Lord, they can't help but notice there's something distinctively different about us where it's almost like we are unworldly. In other words, we don't belong here because we don't. Lord, you have translated us from this kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your dear Son. Lord, you've changed us. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. So, Lord, that what we once were, we no longer are, because you have changed us by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the Word of God. And, Lord, we are forever being renewed day by day Every day we're newer, not older. We are renewed every single day of our lives, God. We become so farther, much farther away from what we were into what you are making in us into being. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And Lord, we take it. Thank you, Father. I'm not getting older, I'm getting newer. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word, which in you are always yes and amen. But God, what we thank you for the most is for your great love for us and that you chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Lord, you chose us to be righteous, to share the inheritance of the Father through his Son. Jesus Christ. God, we don't deserve it. But mercy says you don't have to. And grace says I give it to you even though you don't deserve it.
because I love you. And God, we take it. Would you just say to the Lord, Lord, I accept it. I accept your grace. I receive it by faith. I thank you, Lord, that every single day of my life, though my old, my old man, my outward man is dying, inwardly, I'm becoming newer, being renewed in the spirit of my mind. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.